everyone. Welcome to the podcast. I'm here today with uh, Nathan uh, Kaufness. Uh, Nathan, uh, could you introduce yourself for the listeners? So I'm a Lever Hume Early Career Fellow in the Philosophy Faculty at Cambridge, uh, interested mainly in the uh, philosophy of biology and the relevance of evolutionary theory to various uh, scientific and philosophical questions, uh, including evolution of intelligence uh, in science uh, and uh, evolution of morality, implications of um, findings in moral psychology for and the evolution of morality for the nature of morality and moral application. Yeah, early career fellow. So, like, what's that job like in the American context? You know, we you know fellowships, associate professor. Like, what is it? A permanent job? Postdoc. It's equivalent. It's a, a um, three-year uh, postdoc. Um, uh, how many a, years you got left? This is my second year, so I've got one in one and a half, one and three quarters left. Yeah, and you had—I mean, you had a. Um, you know, you had a cancellation, uh, you know, attempt on you. You had some controversy. Do you feel, um, yeah, you feel good about your prospects of getting a job after all that? Well, um, getting a job, especially for me, requires a certain amount of miracle. Uh, I'm get, getting the Leverhulme Early Career Fellowship at Cambridge, um, there are more people who apply than are admitted mm. uh, by by quite a lot, actually. Uh, but in the UK, they're ten years behind the US in terms of uh, uh, wokeism and uh, enforcing mm. this orthodoxy. Mm-hmm. But still, it was really shocking because when I apply for the position, I have to be nominated by the philosophy faculty, then there's an, a, an internal competition among the university, in the university. So all departments nominate one or two people, and then there's an internal competition. They select uh, one out of six in the internal competition, internal competition, and then it goes to the Leverhulme Trust, and then they have to approve it, and that's uh, for uh, Cambridge applicants. At that stage, it's one in five. So, and everybody was aware that I had some controversial interests. This was all disclosed and uh, they were willing to judge me by other things. Yeah. And so the controversial interest is for people who don't know is racial differences in intelligence. Uh, You wrote that society should just accept it, right? Is that, is that the original paper that got you in trouble? Uh, Yeah. So when I was, a PhD student at Oxford, I wrote a paper which also miraculously was published in uh, the journal Philosophical Psychology, which was uh, a quite respectable uh, mainstream journal where I argued that, uh, although I had to hold back a little bit because, you know, you have to get through peer reviewers, uh, I said the evidence is suggesting that there could be race differences. And I argue that if this is the case, we need to be open to, uh, to what the evidence says. Because there, 
a number of philosophers and scientists, very prominent people who have said it doesn't matter what the truth is. These facts are just too horrible. It's too unethical to even consider the possibility that this is true. So we should just dismiss it on, on moral grounds. And I argue against that. And as part of that argument, I review the evidence that I, I, I say this is a, a live possibility. Mm. This can't be just dismissed as pseudoscience or flat earthism. Yeah. So I was very disappointed by the initial reaction to the paper. It got four or 5,000, um, you know, views, which is not, you know, not far from being viral, but I was rescued by this philosopher, Mark Alfano, who launched a petition to retract the paper and to fire the editors who were responsible for it. So, um, Long story short, it's now uh, has 75,000 views. It's the most viewed paper in the history of the journal. Hmm. Um, although some, uh, I was sorry that some innocent uh, people had to pay a price for that. So one of the editors resigned to protest um, the fact that the editorial board was uh, was bowing to some of Alfano's demands. And then the other editor apparently uh, was fired. Uh, but anyway, I got the message out there. Yeah. And when I got to Cambridge, this article in philosophical psychology was discovered by some of the students, uh, the student journalists. And so they wrote what was, I guess, supposed to be a hit piece about me. But what they said is they quoted me saying like the truth is important or something like that, mm. but trying to paint it in a very sinister way. But how could I get in trouble for this? It didn't make any sense to me. Um, so that I think fell flat, but it was picked up by the Daily Mail and mm. they kind of spun it as I'm, I'm a racist but yeah. it was the Daily Mail article was so poorly researched and just making it's a very stupid it's a very stupid paper that usually it's like sort of right wing but it's like too dumb to like know what's even what's right wing and left wing so it occasionally does this it'll occasionally come out like this guy is a you know is a big racist um, and so I think your article was sort of uh, in that vein um, and uh, so nobody bothers you on a daily basis in Cambridge now no not at all not at all. Somebody told me in classics that like Oxford, he, they, they told me at Oxford and like Cambridge, like elite UK academia, you said it's 10 years behind the US. But someone told me it's even better than that. It's actually like there's a lot of sort of right wing people in analytic philosophy and classics. Um, is is that right? Because I don't know how you get through all the, you, you wouldn't, you couldn't get a, I don't think you could get a fellowship in America. I mean, it's just unthinkable. Like they would allow this. Uh, at this point in our, you know, the history of American university, uh, is it like, is it just 10 years behind or is there actually like a lot of right wing representation? Uh, well, I have not been able, I was not able to get into a single philosophy PhD program in the United States. So I know that they won't care, but for the people who say that, oh, Kaufnis only got into Oxford and Cambridge because he's a Jew, um, in fact, Jews have way more influence in America at American universities. 
Wait, the Jew, there's not. Why do, why do they think you got in because you're a Jew? Is do they have favoritism in Cambridge? Is that what people think? Right. So um, Jews get uh, or can just whenever they feel like it, they can just go to, uh, to Oxford, Oxford, yeah. or, okay. or Harvard. I chose Oxford yeah. instead of Harvard. Uh, so there wasn't a single person in the whole, the either permanent or temporary faculty in the philosophy department at Cambridge, not a single Jew before I came. Mm. So, and I know for a fact that the people involved in hiring me weren't Jewish, but. Yeah. Uh, but they like, but they picked you. They like, they like the Jew who uh, talked about race science. So that tells us something about, you know, that tells us something about sort of where they're at, doesn't it? I mean, well, that, that's incredible that you, that you got a job. I mean, that's just not thinkable in America. Yes. It, so I haven't gotten that. I'm very happy. I was So I got MPhil at Cambridge, DPhil at Oxford, now back at job at Cambridge. And it couldn't have worked out better. But in fact, I didn't have a choice because uh, mm. no one in America was giving me any offer, either for a PhD program or, uh, or a job. Yeah. And you wrote a book too, didn't you, on uh, something about the evolution of religion? I, I, when I was an undergraduate, I wrote a book, although I withdrew it from publication. Uh, okay, so yeah, it was on Amazon, and there was there wasn't available. There was one for available for seventy dollars, but it said zero pages, and I'm like, yeah, what is that? So they're like, why did you with how did how did that work? Well, when I when I was uh, um, when I was an undergraduate, I was extremely interested in religion. Uh, I had spent time in yeshiva and I had studied uh, also uh, Eastern religions and I was very interested in parallels between uh, different religions and the way uh, different religions had developed, especially from Judaism to Christianity and Islam and uh, and Hinduism, uh, the, the Vedas, Upanishads to Buddhism. And uh, the book was about various parallels and the logic that was guiding this development and how at certain points theologians faced certain logical problems and they resolved those problems in certain predictable ways in the different traditions. So um, I, I, I still believe in, in the, the big ideas in the book, but it's not not quite as polished as my uh, so it was just too cringe and so you you just didn't want it to be out there because you were well too it was published by I, I was extremely naive about uh-huh. public uh, pu- the world of publishing at that time uh, and I thought that as long as it's on paper then then that's all that matters it was like a scam publisher. It was published by Richard Linz, uh, <laughs> Ulster Institute for Social Research, which I kind of thought was affiliated with the University of Ulster. Uh. Um, but then I, I realized that, that that wasn't really the right way to present these. I, just, I, I withdrew it from publication just a couple of weeks after it was published. Uh, interesting. So you were like, you were just, you thought it would be bad for you if you went to an academia or something to have a book published under uh, Richard Lynn's, uh No, I, I wasn't thinking about that at all. I just uh, thought that I should try to 
present those ideas somewhere else, not in this, not in this book. So yeah. I withdrew the book. I did publish a bit on religion. I actually I published only one um, paper on religion, uh, and which contains some of the ideas uh, in the book, uh, but it didn't generate a huge response from people. So I kind of I ended up moving on to other things. Uh-huh. Interesting. Okay, um, and so. Yeah, if you so if you if you um you say when you're done with this, it's gonna be hard to get a job in the U.S. Would you go like to a European university? What do you think? Are you gonna thinking about leaving academia? What do you think you're gonna do in your fellowship? So, well, hopefully the re- if the revolution happens before next September, uh-huh. then I'll be in a good position for applying for jobs. Yeah, and, uh, whatever America is called at that at that time. Yeah, and, okay. Uh, if if not, um, I don't know, you, you can't really plan, right? You just, you send out 200 applications and, and you see what happens. Yeah, gotcha. Uh, so, okay. So, yeah, let's talk about uh, your article, why we need to talk about the rights stupidity problem. And, you know, you're very, you're very correct on sort of conservatism. Um, but the thing you argue is that I, I sort of, believe this too at one point or maybe i read it recently but i don't know if i buy this anymore that um liberals uh are more you know they have a consistent association basically your argument is that liberals um you know they have a theory which beats you ever uh, you ever read uh the, the, this guy um why race matters my um michael levin is michael levin his name you remember michael levin levin yeah have you have you read that book yes Okay, so yeah, so it so makes a similar argument. Like liberals have a theory, which is that systemic racism explains all uh, inequality, um, and that um, you know, and that a, a bad you know a bad theory beats no theory. Conservatives have no argument, and so therefore, smart people are attracted to liberalism because it at least gives them something coherent to explain the world. Is that is that pretty much your argument? Um, yeah. Pretty much. Yeah, given the taboo on acknowledging race differences, uh, which is accepted by left and right. You have reached the end of the free recording for this episode of Clown Car. To listen to the rest of the episode, please consider becoming a paid subscriber.